we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to read, not the next part of the account of Abraham, because there's been a lot happen. We've done the 75, 86, 99, 100 bit over the last couple of weeks. And last week we talked about the law of faith. Uh, how do you know there's a law of faith? And a law is a law because it works 100% of the time. We're not talking about a law that is a legal law. You must, you must not. That's not the law we're talking about. We're talking about the principle. If you throw it up, it will come down. If you throw it in the air, there is a law of gravity. It's going to work 100% of the time unless you involve a higher law. But the law of gravity is still there even if you've involved the law of lift. The law of gravity didn't go anywhere. It's still there. And there's a law of faith, and I know it can be very, very dangerous to say things like, you know what, God's Word works 100% of the time, but hey, if ever we get to the point where we're excusing and saying, well, only 80% of the time God will forgive you. Only 50% of the time God's grace is going to be enough for you. No, we're on very dodgy ground. I know my God, and I know that He is able and I know that he is powerful, and I know there is no lack in my God, and I know that his word is true 100% of the time. And the law of faith works. The law of faith works. Speak to the mountain, it will move. Now, we know there's other laws that can be involved, just, just like there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. But if you don't involve the law of the spirit of life, you're going to very quickly find out there's a law of sin and death. It's not that the law of life hasn't worked. It's that the law of sin and death is still there. Still there. There's still stuff that wants to kill, steal, and destroy from your life. And it's there. But thank God we can live under the umbrella of God's grace and the covenant that we have. Even if it's pouring down with rain around us, we can stay dry in the promises of God. So that was last week, and I'm not going to recount on that at all, but here we are in Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to carry on with the Abraham series, which is called Blessed and Highly Favored. Everybody say blessed, blessed. and highly favored. highly favored. Okay, because that's what this is all about at the start of this year. And um, I believe God wants to take us as a result of this series on into some wonderful things this year, but I won't talk about that today. But Genesis chapter 22, we're just going to begin. We're actually going to read most of the chapter, but, but I'm just going to begin with just a couple of verses here. Now, it came to pass. I love it when verses start with it came to pass. Because God's a God where stuff comes to pass. Things happen. It's not like, well, it's the same old, same old. No, stuff happens. You get around God, stuff happens. God is like, you know, I used to play with an action man when I was growing up. God is the greatest action man there will ever be. He's full of action. He's full of stuff happening. God is never boring. He has plans and purposes and, and he knows what he's promised and he knows what he's going to fulfill. Get around God, stuff happens. And it came to pass after these things, and remember that's three chapters, four, five chapters nearly that we've not touched, that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains 
of which I shall tell you. Wow, that's a great way to start a message, isn't it? That's as tough as it gets. That's as tough as it gets. Today I want to talk about we need to be people who pass the test. That we need to pass the test. There are tests in life. Life is full of tests. Life is full of tests. On a daily basis, there are tests in our life emotionally. There may be tests financially. There's certainly tests in the nation. There are tests going on. We need to do these tests. We've, we've heard that on the news. Uh, we need to do this test and that test to, to see what's going to work and what isn't going to work. There are tests in our relationships. I don't know if you've ever been through a testing time in your relationship. I think everybody goes through testing times in their relationships. Testing. We go through skill tests. I remember growing up, my dad taught me the piano. Um, and then I began to have classical lessons. And it wasn't just about I learned how to do my scales and arpeggios and all the rest of it. At the end of a period of time, I had a test. And depending on how I went through that test, it, it either meant I progressed or I had to relearn some stuff. Hello? We're going into exam season now. One of our boys is going into his GCSEs. The others have been through it and out the other side. But Stephen's going into a season of exams. And he got an email the other day. We have accepted you into the sixth year, but it's a conditional. Everybody say conditional. A conditional acceptance. Why? Depending on how you pass your tests. Depending on how you pass your tests. You see, tests are a vital part of everyday life. There is a driving test, though you wouldn't believe it with half the people on the road. <laughs> Have they really passed their test? And I often like to remind them perhaps they need to take their test again. <laughs> Am I the same as everybody else? I don't know. A lot of tests we go through in life are tests on how we handle pressure. How we handle pressure. Educational test, integrity test, decision-making test, how you make decisions. Before, you know, some people are employed in certain jobs, they need to go through a test on how they make decisions because perhaps that job absolutely, you know, is dependent on life and death and how they make a decision under pressure is going to determine what comes out the other side. You see, tests are a vital part of our everyday life. And even though... And I don't know why this has happened, but even though we try to cushion and make a, uh, you know, a, a whole cotton wool environment for young children now that they don't have to go through a test and life isn't about tests and actually everybody passed the test so you can feel good about yourself. Can I get on a soapbox a little bit? Because we want people to feel good about themselves because if they fail the test, it might upset them. Oh, dear God, we've got to learn that we pass tests in life or fail tests in life. 
Because otherwise, whenever we face the real life and we hit up against brick walls and we hit up against stuff we don't pass, we fall apart and we have the, the, the huge emotional crisis that the world seems to have right now. We've got to face the facts that life is full of testing. And we will not be a church and the kingdom is not a kingdom void of tests. I mean, people sometimes are shocked that, you know, I believe I'm called to the worship team, Pastor Jay. And they, we hear them saying, we say, come on, you need to come for an audition. What, in church? But I'm doing it for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but you're singing to me. <laughs> and I don't want to hear a strangled cat on the platform. <laughs> Amen. If you're in the dance team, not that we have one, perhaps that's a prophetic word right now. If you're in the dance team and you can't hold a beat, I'm dancing for Jesus. Well, wonderful, but we got to look at that mess. There are tests. And it's really important that we understand tests are a vital part, a central part of developing a greater life experience. If you pull away from the testing process, the quality of your life will be very poor. Our attitude, and I have this on notes, I'm not going to be struggling to follow my notes today. Our attitude towards life's test will determine the quality of life we live. Our attitude towards tests. Our attitude. Attitude, we've heard this for years. Attitude you know, determines altitude. Well, that's, but our attitude towards tests, what we think of tests, how we respond to tests, how we handle tests, what tests do inside of us will determine the quality of life that we live. Started today with verse 1. We're going to read the rest of the chapter very quickly and I'm going to make some points about this. But the first verse we read clearly states, after these things, God tested Abraham. Can we all say that? God tested Abraham. How dare he? Abraham might not feel very good about himself. Abraham might be a little bit offended at God. Why are you testing me? I thought I was just blessed and highly favoured and life was just going to be a bed of roses. What's this testing thing? Well, actually, if you look through the life of Abraham, there's about 10 tests that Abram goes through. It's like, really? Get out from your family. Who are you to ask me to leave my family? Who are you to ask me to this? Who are you to ask? Well, Abram went through tests. Let's read the rest of the chapter very quickly. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering. You cannot put on to other people the test that you're going through. I mean, he was the boss and he said, I'm going to split my own wood. You cannot abdicate and say, somebody else is going to do the test for me. No, you've got to go through your own test. And here is Abram owning the test. 
He split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw a place far off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and we will worship and we will come back to you. And Abram took the wood and the bur- of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went off together. But Isaac spoke to Abram, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am my son and he said look there's the fire and the wood but where's the lamb for the burnt offering and Abraham said my son God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering so the two of them went on together they say the same thing twice there the two of them went off together Then they came to the place which God had told him and Abraham, he built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Just to say here, and I'm not doing the whole academy thing of everything and the two hours on this, but Isaac at this point was about 19 years old. 19. So this was not just he dragged along a child who had no choice. This is incredible. This is a 19-year-old man. And they were in agreement about this. They walked off together actually means they agreed with each other on what was going to happen. He said, but the angel... It says, so then they came to the place which God had told him. Abram built the altar, placed the wood in order. He bound his 19-year-old son Isaac, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Same response as he said in the first verse, here I am. And God said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son, Isaac, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram. He offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Phew. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, this is where it comes from. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing, you've not withheld your son, your only son. In blessing I will bless you and I will multiply you exceedingly, your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Wow, I mean this is, this is as strong as it gets. Here we are on, on a, a special day, Mum's Day. And I talked earlier about the fact that, man, you touch my kids. And yet here is God saying, sacrifice your only, the one you love. Not that he didn't love Ishmael, but this was the son of promise. Sacrifice your son. I mean, this is, this is beyond our comprehension. Now in their day, absolutely not with God, but in the world at that time, child sacrifice was very common. 
So it was often demanded by false gods and false prophets that they sacrifice their children. So in the culture at the time, not in the culture of the kingdom of God, it's never right, but, but in the culture at the time, it was very common. So not anybody else would have said, how terrible is that? They would have said, yep, that's fine if that's what the gods, plural, not the one and only God, but if that's what the gods want, then fine. So there would not have been the condemnation from the community. But this is still a very powerful thing. And we can think, how does this add up with the God whose goodness is following after me all the days of my life? And his mercy and his goodness and his joy. How does this add up? Well, I just want to ask some questions, answer some questions, and then we can all go out for Mother's Day lunch. (laughs) Not together, of course, because I don't know if anyone could take us all. First thing I want to ask is this. When is a test from God to walk through or from Satan to fight and resist? When is a test from God to walk through or from Satan? Can we put that up, please? When is a test from God to walk through or from Satan to fight and resist? You see, I want to ask some very fundamental questions today, just very simply, because if we know where the test has come from, it's going to determine how we respond to it. But if there's any type of confusion anywhere, is this from God or is this from the devil? This is why this whole mentality of this extreme, God is sovereign, everything that happens is God's will. Well, how then do you ever resist anything if everything is God's plan? How can I ever fight something if it wasn't from, if I don't think anything's not from God? So I've got to know what is from God and what is not from God because there are tests from God. God tested Abraham, but there's also tests in the world that the Bible clearly talks about. That we're not to just entertain and and sort of humble ourselves under and just yield ourselves to their things we're supposed to resist and fight. And yet sometimes we can find ourselves fighting and resisting God and just saying yes to the things of the enemy. And we can get it all confused. So it's important that we really understand what is from God and what is not from God. And I'm just going to say it really, really simply here today. Evil tests, temptations and trials. And in the Greek, it's the same word. Temptation, test and trial, same word. This is important. We have a different word in English, temptation, test, and trial, but in the Bible, it's one and the same word. And just in the context of the passage, the English there uses temptation or test or trial. So when it says that the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in all things but was without sin, you could say was, is, is in all things... He went through tests, temptations, or trials. And in all of them, he didn't sin. But evil tests, temptations, and trials. Notice I put the word evil in there, and I've done that on purpose. Evil tests, temptations, and trials are not from God. That's as clear as I can say it. They are not from God. So we've got to get our theology right. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say... I'm tested, tempted, or tried, that I'm tested, tempted, or tried by God because God cannot test, tempt, or try anybody with evil. He cannot. 
Now, this is where people's theology goes all over the place. They say, God has given me this thing. And can I say it's an evil thing? Something like sickness, disease, aggression, just something that's evil, that we know is evil from the Scriptures. Evil means twisted. Anything that's twisted from the promises of God. People say, God has given this thing to test me. No, you can't. James 3, James 1.13 clearly says, if something evil is happening in your life or is coming as a test, temptation or trial, it is not from God. Is that as clear as I can say it? Now that is good news because that means we know what to do with it. That means I know what to, if it's not from God, I don't have to have it. If it's not from God, I can resist it. This is good news today. See, Satan will test with destruction and deception. Why? Because he wants to see what we know or simply what we believe in a, uh, from our you know, tradition. He wants to know what we know. Because he knows he cannot defeat what we know. There is a power in revelation. He cannot defeat you if you know what you know from the Word of God. So he's going to put you through tests, temptations and trials to see what you know on the inside. See, if somebody comes up to me and you know, says, you're this, that and the other. But if I know I'm not, it's not a temptation, test or trial. It's like, well, that, that's not me you're talking about. That's just not me. It's not me. That's not my identity. It's not who I am. But if I believe what they're putting out, then it can start to upset me on the inside. People get upset about what people say to them because that, that's evidence often that they really don't know who they are. That's huge. That's huge. Pastor Jay, you're a rubbish person. Well, hang on a minute. If I know I'm not rubbish, then it ain't going to affect me. Oh, but you really hurt me. You really offended me. Well, it only hurts and, off and offends you and can get through to that state if you don't really have a strong, solid identity of who you are. Amen. Oh, come on. That's worth a shout or something. So Satan will always test by destruction or deception. Destruction and deception. How does God test then? God tests by instruction. Instruction. What does God want to see? Obedience and faith. That's what he wants to see. Now remember, it's a test. For Stephen, when he goes through his, his exams next month, is he going to learn anything in the exam? Well, the only thing he's going to learn is, have I learned this or not? But in the exam, he don't learn anything. It's there to test what he's already learned. And people get this all confused and upside down and, you know, the wrong way around, that God's putting me through a test to teach me something. No scriptural basis for that whatsoever. You go through a test to find out what you've already learned. What you've already learned. Not, you don't learn in the test. Oh, you know, if we learn in a test, we'd all be mature giants by now. Because we're tested every day. You don't learn in a test. Tests reveal what you already know. 
Is this as clear and as simple as I can, I can make? But we develop a theology, oh, I'm going to learn in this test. No, you can look back and find out what you didn't know. So therefore, you can go to work to learn what you didn't know. But you didn't learn it in the test. You learned it as a result of whether you passed or failed the test. Amen. Oh, this is, oh, this is so straightforward today. So when is a test from God to walk through or from Satan to fight and resist? If it's a test of destruction or deception, it's not from God. If it's a test of evil, it's not from God. God will instruct. Now, God can instruct us to do anything, anything he wants. Number two, what do tests accomplish? Well, I've already told us this now. I've already mentioned this. Tests show us what we've already learned. What we've already absorbed thus far. See, people say, you know what? I'm gonna, my faith is going to grow in this test. No, faith does not grow in tests. What tests do is they show what faith we got. And this is scriptural from James chapter 1. Very, very clear. It reveals what we've already learned. So, number three point I want to make today is this. There is always a way out. <laughs> Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation. Remember, same word in Greek. Test, tempt, and try. No test, no temptation, no trial has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, tested, or tried beyond that which you are able to bear. But with the test, temptation, or trial... He will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, this applies to whether the test is from God or from the devil. If the test is from God, then God will only... This is the wonderful nature of God, that we learn going through the test what we already know. God already knows what we already know. God already knows, but we need to know what we know or what we don't know. Sometimes we think we know more than we actually know. Amen? I don't know, perhaps that's just me. Sometimes we think we're stronger than we really are. So we go through the test. You see, God knows that, well, actually, I'm going to turn up the pressure a little bit and you're going to find out where you crack. Now, God doesn't do that just for sport. I want to see you. You know why he wants to do it? is so when you go through an enemy test, which is nasty, you already know I'm not going to crack. Because God's put me through a test that's not going to destroy me. <laughs> not going to deceive me. But I'm going to realize... Oh, wow, that puts me under pressure. I get offended at that. I get upset at that. I fall over at that. I want to give up at that. And when it's God doing it, he says, I'm doing this so you know as you walk through life, whatever hits you, you're bigger than it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. See, test what our attitude is to test is vital. Because if we have a test aversion, then we're never going to grow. But if we say, bring on the tests. Bring them on. God, bring on the test. Test me, God. Not with evil. But I want to know where I am. I don't know about you, but I want to know where I'm at. I want to know my, my, you know, the points where I want to give up. 
I want to know where they're at because I don't want to give up. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. This is awesome. There is a way out. If the test is from God, it certainly won't be too much to bear because he will never bring destruction into your life. If the test is from the devil, now this is another good point. There is always a way out. If the test is from the enemy, then if it's getting too hot, then God will step in. (laughs) God will step in. He will not allow you to be tested, tempted, or tried beyond that which you can bear. And if the enemy's turning up the heat to where God can see, well, actually, because he's not grown or she's not grown to that point, this is going to cause destruction. God just comes in and says, out the way, Satan. I'm going to protect this person. I'm going to act on their behalf. I'm going to cool off the fire. I'm going to bring them out through the flood. I'm going to bring them out through the fire. The fire that if it was any hotter would burn and drown. But I'm going to get in there so it only goes up to that which they can walk out the other side. Wow. God gets involved. If I'm going through something, I can have an absolute confidence that I'm already bigger than it. (laughs) Have you ever said, I can't do this, I can't take this anymore? Have you ever said that? I'm not doing this anymore. I know I have. I'm not, I, I just cannot take this pressure anymore. And God just seems to, in fact, Sharon reminds me. Sharon reminds me, and I reckon God and Sharon are very, very close. God reminds me, well, actually, you can, because you're only going through that which you can bear. Isn't that good news? So, how to pass the test as we close today. Number one, let's be up for a test. Let's be up for a test. Let's be up for it. Let's be up for the test. Some people say, oh, I'm just a, oh, this testing thing. Let's be up for a test because if we can see the bigger picture, then we will welcome the test. Abram responded, here I am. He's basically saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I'll do anything. What do you want me to say? I'm ready for anything. Got up. Abram got up early the next day. Let's do this. Let's have an attitude when we get up in the morning. However, okay, the the time you get up and the time you wake up are two different things. I don't know about you. Some people are like, they get up and they're awake. Other people, they get up and they're asleep for another hour. But, you know, anytime you come to your senses... Let's have this attitude, today's a good day. Whatever comes, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to win. Bring on the tests. If Satan brings one on, well, that's just like, you know, Goliath, I'm going to take him out. If God brings it on, well, God, you're doing it for my good, and you won't allow me to to be tested beyond that which I can bear, and this is going to show me where I'm at so I can be better. Oh, this is wonderful great attitude to tests. Be up for a test. Don't run away from the test. World's full of people now that want to run away. Run away from pressure. Run away from the test. No, guys, this is how we grow. The second thing today is this, on how do we pass the test. Number two, let's be happy about it. Oh, so, Pastor Jay. Let's be happy about it. James 1, 2 to 4 says this. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, temptations, and tests. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Notice it doesn't say the testing of you produces faith. It says the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Why can we be happy about it? Because we know the outcome is no lack. The outcome is perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's the road we're on. I don't want to live an average life. I don't want to live a a boring, average, mediocre life. And I'm not talking about compared to other people. Never get into the comparison thing. Their life is more exciting than mine. No, don't get into comparison. But I don't want to live, if, if I've got a blueprint for my life, which is abundant life, and the calling and the purpose of God, then I've got to go through some tests. Otherwise, when I compare myself to the blueprint, I'm just a shadow of it. I want to fulfill everything God has for my life, so I'm going to be happy about what I go through. No test is pleasant while you go through it. No one wants a life of tests, but they will always be there. So let's determine today, I'm just going to be happy about this. Number three, let's put patience to work. Faith and patience will deliver the believer from any test, temptation or trial that Satan brings against him. Do you remember the see, hope, faith, action result? Where does patience sit on that line? See to hope, is that the patient bit? No. Hope to faith, is that the patient bit? No. Faith to action, is that the patient bit? No. Action to fulfillment. That's where patience kicks in. I believed I received it, but I can't see it yet. That's when often the tests of faith happen. The tests of our, what we're expecting and believing. See, faith is a power tool, but patience undergirds our faith. It works on your mind to keep your thoughts focused on God, which leads me to point number four. Let's be focused and single-minded. How are we going to pass the test? Well, we say, bring it on. We're happy about it. We put patience to work. And number four, we are focused and single-minded. That, the passage there in James chapter one carries on. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. In the middle of the test, he'll give to all without reproach and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith without any doubt. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he'll receive anything. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's be focused on saying, God, I'm going to go through this test and come out the other side and I'm going to keep my mind on that. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. What's the outcome as we close with the positive? The outcome of going through a test, and we can clearly see this with the life of Abraham, is God will trust us with a greater measure of his will. You've been through the test. Here's more will coming to pass in your life. For Abraham, he went, he was elevated. There's always promotion when you come out the other side of a test. If you pass the test, God turns up, the angel turns up and says, now I know. Now I know that you fear God. I'm going to trust you with more stuff. 
We all want to be trusted with the things of God, but so often we don't want to go through the test, which means we can be trusted. God wants to be able to say, I've not just heard your words, I've seen your actions. I can trust you now. What else does going through the test and passing the test mean in our lives? Number two, God opens new doors of our life's purpose. So many things I would love to say about Abraham, but he, he really hones in on the purpose of Abraham in this encounter. He says, up until now, it's been a general prom- um, a promise for your life. Now it's a specific promise. And he takes him to the next realm of promise. And I don't know about you, there are times I can look back in my life and go, wow, I was there, but now God's spoken to me clearly. Now I've moved into the next season of my life. It's as a result of passing the test. And finally today, when we come through a test, we pass a test, we leave a, I've got, we leave, I've left out a word. We leave a greater level of authority and victory over our enemy. No, we leave a legacy, my mistake, of a greater level of authority and victory over our enemies. He says, your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. When we go through something, we come out in greater victory. We come out with another notch on our belt. We come out with a greater a greater history of look what God has done in me, through me, and look what I've overcome. Now I'm not just going to kill a lion or a bear. I'm going on to the Goliaths of life. Did you get anything out of that today? Wonderful. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Yeah, come on. Let's give God some praise in the house. However we talk about it, it, we don't want to talk about tests. We don't want to talk about tests. But I trust you can see today that tests are the greatest way to go through life. Why? Because on the back of test is a greater place. Come on, let's open our hearts to God, shall we, this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you encourage us and inspire us because you've got such great plans for us. And Father, today, whatever we've been through and whatever we're going through, and Lord, however much we say this is too hard or too tough, and life has been full of tough stuff in the last couple of years. But Father, we thank you that you bring us out on top every time. There is more grace and more joy and more love and more faith every step of the way. So Father, we thank you, God, that you are bringing us through in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, just as we're here in this presence right now, we thank you, God, that you are here to speak to people and to touch people's lives and to encourage and to strengthen and to to be God to each and every person in a very specific way. And Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit for each person, Lord, that eyes would be opened, hearts would be softened. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this place. Lord Jesus, you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Perhaps you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. For me, I received Jesus. I gave Him my life. The 
to invite Him to be my Lord and Saviour, to declare Him to be my Lord and Saviour nearly 30, whatever, seven years ago. But if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, this is your moment. You're not here by accident. You're here because God's got a plan for your life to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. But the greatest plan for your life is that you would know Him. We've talked today about going through tests and trials. I would not want to walk through this life without knowing that my name is known by Almighty God and that He's my Lord and my Saviour and that every step of the way I can hear His voice and be led by His goodness and His greatness. There's people failing tests all over this world right now. But in God, you can go through life and pass every one of them. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, or perhaps you're here today and you say, you know what, I need to come back to God. I say I'm a Christian, but I'm not living like one. Well, with every eye closed now, please, and every head bowed, if that's you here today, this is not a, a show. This is something that is the greatest decision of your life. It settles your eternity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jay, will you pray with me? I want to know that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. I want to know that my eternity is settled by the crucifixion, the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to do one thing very simply and very easily, and that is to lift your hand right now, please, in this auditorium. You want to say, Pastor Jay, yeah, will you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Lift it up high so I can see. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer today, shall we? Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together today and let's say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You've demonstrated your love by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to give me life. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I'll never be the same again. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here today. Thank you, Lord.